Welcome to the Real Birth Podcast, the show where real parents share real birth stories and get really honest about how it went. You might be a first-time expectant parent, or on your eighth baby. Perhaps you're a birth worker, or maybe you just love learning about birth. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. This podcast aims to educate and empower listeners through the real stories of mums and dads. I'm Lucy Hill. I'm a doula, a mum of a toddler, and a complete birth nerd. Join me as I invite all kinds of parents to share their stories of pregnancy, birth, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to series two of the Real Birth Podcast. I'm so excited to finally be back after a much longer than anticipated break. While we may not have been releasing new episodes, I have been really busy recording new content and getting ready for this second season. And you are absolutely going to love the stories that are coming up this series. Thank you so much for joining me again. And if you are brand new to the podcast, why not start from the beginning? You can find all of season one's archive on my website, which is www.realbirth.co.uk. I'm also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and all the other big platforms you can think of. To kick off season two, I have interviewed Grace, who had her daughter in 2020 during the height of the COVID pandemic. Shortly after she discovered she was pregnant, her relationship broke down, which made some of her birth-related decisions all the more difficult, given that in most instances, only one support person was allowed to be with her at any one time. I can't imagine how strange and how lonely having a baby during this pandemic must have been. If this is something that you've experienced, hopefully Grace's story will fill you with solidarity. I really hope you enjoy listening to Grace's story as much as I enjoyed chatting to her. And once again, welcome back to series two of the Real Birth Podcast. Hi, Grace. Welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you very much for joining me. Before we start and talk about your birth story, could you just take a minute and let us know, tell us a little bit about you and your family? Okay, so um, my name's Grace and I am a single mother to my 19-month daughter, Penelope, who I call Nell or Noodle. She has a very close relationship with her father and it's very amicable and nice between us. But yeah, I am a single mum and she's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're talking pandemic baby, right? Yes, 100%. Wow, really. okay. Yeah. So what did the journey to becoming pregnant look like for you? Was that something that was intentional for you then? Or how did that go? So um, it wasn't intentional at all. It's quite not, I wouldn't say a funny story, but I was on the pill when I got pregnant. And I was actually on the pill when I got pregnant when I was 21 years and years ago, but we decided not to continue with that that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But um, I met Penelope's father, a very, very long time ago, when I think we were about 18. Yeah, we, we were only together, I think, um, maybe four months before we found out that we were pregnant, which was a complete shock to the system. Wow. And it was something that, again, was not anticipated or expected, but it was something that I was very, very happy about. Um, and equally, so was her dad. And I remember the moment that I kind of almost realised that I was pregnant because it was the Christmas of, I think it was 2019, just before lockdown, was that then? Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, that seems like so long ago now. But <laughs> I, remember, I remember that I was, you know, as you do at Christmas, eating way too much uh, rich food and drinking a lot of wine. And I remember having the most awful heartburn. Like, it was horrific. And I remember I was staying at his parents' house on uh, Christmas Day night and I had to sneak down in the middle of the night to basically drink a gallon of milk because I was just <laughs> in so much pain. And I just put it down to too much cheese and too much wine. So I just carried on my merry way. And then I remember it was January the 2nd and we'd gone back to work and I was on the train home from work. And I remember that I picked up my flask of water and I just tipped it all down myself. It was like that clumsiness that I just have never had before. And I just thought to myself, there's something going on here. <laughs> so, so did you, at that point, did you have an inkling? Was it around the, the time where you would be kind of thinking, oh, you know, about your yeah. period? And Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I was probably only three days late for my period, which was not really 
too much of a thing to worry about. But yeah, I, I remember I got off the train and I went straight to Superdrug and got myself a pregnancy test. I, I, I feel like it's just intuition sometimes. Yeah. I, I thought, you know what, I need to find out whether I am or not. And I remember standing in my bathroom at home on my own <laughs> doing the test and straight away I came up pregnant. I think it was like two to three weeks. It's one of those digital ones. Yeah. And um, so very, very early days, really. I just rang my sister <laughs> like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Because, of course, it's not expected. So it was a bit of a shock to the system, really. Huge. So how how did your pregnancy go in general? How did you, it, you're obviously kind of having some of those early symptoms. How did your pregnancy go in general? You know, at the beginning, it was absolutely fine. And then all of a sudden, it just seems to hit you. And I know that everyone experiences things differently. But for me, I was just incredibly exhausted. I was going to bed when I got home from work straight away because I, w- I was traveling, I think, about an hour every day to work and then an hour and a half back because of rush, rush hour. So I was just absolutely exhausted. And I remember one of the key things very early on was that if I did not continually eat, I felt so sick and it, I didn't have actual sickness. I wasn't actually sick at any point, but I just had that con- considerable nausea if I didn't eat all the time. So that was, that was the main things that I needed to plan every day the fact that I needed things to eat all the time (laughs) no I totally I totally relate to that I remember just putting um like crackers in all the pockets of all my coats so that there was always a cracker somewhere (laughs) yeah my my thing was banana chips I mean I would not choose to eat those in a normal (laughs) sense of the word but dried banana chips were my go-to when I was early days pregnant it was I think about it now and I'm just like, that's just an awful choice. But <laughs> it, it did it then. But it wasn't, it wasn't just that. It was the kind of realisation that something very different was going to change. And it was almost that mental shift as well, that it wasn't just the kind of um, physical signs of it and the internal signals of being pregnant. It was that, just that change in your, your mental dynamic. And I remember feeling quite internal at that point and feeling very reflective of what mm. was to come almost. You know, I, I, I felt quite bizarre. I didn't really feel like myself. And I know, I know now that I saw the hormonal changes and those shifts in, inside, but it was quite hard to almost grasp hold of when you just feel like your body is just changing and that your mentality is changing. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was that side of things as well. It wasn't just the needing to eat continuously. <laughs> yeah. What were your kind of thoughts about birth in general? Obviously, having an unexpected pregnancy as well, there's probably even more of an element of, oh, I haven't really thought about how I envisage my birth going. So what were your thoughts during your pregnancy about how you thought you would like labour and birth to go for you? So I knew quite quickly and quite early on that I wanted to have a natural birth um, and I wanted to have a water birth as well. I think I'd built it up into my head with this kind of idealistic scenario of being in a nice, lovely, warm bath and having candles all around me and wonderful music playing. And, (laughs) you know, I, I had that image in my head that that's what I wanted. I wanted to be, I wanted drug free, uh, completely. Um, I wanted it to be the most, real experience that I could have because for me thinking about you know having pain relief I I really wanted to have the ice I know it sounds absolutely bizarre but I wanted to experience the pain I wanted to experience what it actually felt like to for a child to to <laughs> it's gonna sound really gross but to to come from your body you know yeah. I wanted to that feeling completely so so I knew that I wanted to look at hypnobirthing um, and look at my breathing techniques and I chose my playlist and all, all of that that stuff so yeah for me completely natural that's what I wanted to go with and did you so you mentioned hypnobirthing did you do any kind of birth preparation or any courses or anything to kind of get you ready for that yeah it, it was a strange time doing it during covid because obviously um it was complete lockdown at this point you know I was pregnant whilst we were completely locked down so yeah. um, 
nothing was running, obviously, none of the classes, um, none of the face-to-face classes. So I signed up to a online hypnobirthing class, which wasn't face-to-face class again. I think I chose that for a reason. I wanted, I think I wanted that disconnect. I wanted something that I could take my time with and really listen to and, you know, re-listen to things if I wanted to. So I did one that had kind of videos and had talks um, and I read up on the internet, you know, all of, all of that stuff. And to be quite honest, it's, it was completely mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Because before you get pregnant, you don't think about what the actual process is. You just think, you know, you see it on TV and you're like, you know, it's going to be painful and it's going to be lots of screening. And yeah, you just kind of take from TV what birth is, is like. So for me, when I read up on hypnobirthing about the natural process of the body, how it reacts and how when you have a contraction, it, it pushes the baby out. That, that's part of the natural process. And it's not really about a woman completely pushing. Your body almost partly does it for you. So when I when I discovered things like that, it was like, oh, my God, I'd, I'd never even, you know, I'd, I didn't know any of that. So for me, doing that class really was quite enlightening and quite reassuring, to be honest, kind of being informed of what the body can do and what it will do. And mm. um, it was quite a nice reassurance to, to prepare for birth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so thinking about your birth, who who was it that you wanted in your birth space with you? And obviously at that time, I imagine it was very uncertain as to who would be able to be in your space. Yeah, it was it was a it was a hard decision because me and um my daughter's uh father had actually broken up when I was four months pregnant. So still quite early days in the pregnancy. So and of course because of COVID you know, it's not, it's not the same experience. They, we weren't allowed to have whoever, we weren't allowed to have visitors. And that was something that was very much enforced before it even came to the birth. So even when I was going to the birthing centre, I was only allowed to go on my own. I wasn't allowed to take anyone with me. So it, it was a, you know, I reflect on it and it, I think about it now and it was quite a lonely experience. And it's, Mm. it has, changed the way that I perceive my pregnancy and my birth reflecting on it now because it's not what people who didn't have babies in COVID times would have experienced if it had been the kind of normal scenario yeah um so for me it was a choice of if I was at hospital I was only allowed one person okay and if I was in the birthing pool at the hospital, I'd have only had one person with the option of if anything went wrong, I'd be in hospital and I'd have that reassurance of the fact that I was there. But then at the birthing centre, they told me that I was allowed two people. Right. So it was a really hard decision between thinking about who I wanted to be with me and who I thought needed to be with me to me having that option of if anything went wrong, you know things were on hand at the time so uh, because I am me and I tend to consider how people will feel about this situation I knew that I wanted to have my sister with me to give birth because at the time my relationship with Nell's dad was not great right so it was an initial she will be with me from the word go and he will come when she's nearly coming you know when she's nearly out yeah (laughs) So I made that decision for him, really. I made that decision to be at the birthing centre because I knew then that he could be with me whilst I gave birth. So, you know, I respected that that was something that he wanted to be part of. Um, And if I'd have gone to hospital and birthed there, then he wouldn't have been because I knew that I needed my sister with me throughout. Your experience is totally, totally different to how it would have been you know how had you been any other time to have to consider it's just an extra level of pressure and yeah if you are the kind of person that does consider other people's feelings and experiences in your own major life decisions then of course you're going to be just totally torn yeah yeah It, it was really hard really hard and I think looking back on it now I think if say Nell had been my second child or my third child or 
or however many <laughs> child <laughs> and I'd birthed in a normal way previously where things were normal I think I would have felt more grief about that situation than I do now because to me that was a whole new scenario that was a new situation um it was something that I'd never experienced before so for me I don't think I I felt the true impact of what I was missing yeah because of that yeah Yeah. that's that's a really good point like you say it's your first experience so you don't have a comparison do you no Um, no no okay so you had made your decision and you were going to be at the birth center Mm-hmm. how did labor start for you when did when did the birth story begin so I was 40 weeks plus two days I, I can't I don't know whether you can remember but the summer of 2020 was just horrific <laughs> it was, <laughs> I it, remember. was it was hot wasn't it because everyone was saying oh thank yeah. god at least the weather's good we can't go anywhere but we can sit outside yeah, the yeah I yeah. do remember that <laughs> it was absolutely awful and I remember very um towards the later stages of pregnancy I can remember being on my sofa just <laughs> completely nude I put a sheet down because I knew that it was just horrifically sweaty and I, I remember I, I had ice packs all over my body because I was just like, <laughs> I can't cope with this anymore. I felt like a complete beached whale. It was awful. And I got to 40 plus two and she had dropped. And she was, when they, when they drop, you obviously get way more pressure, don't you, on your, your pelvis. And mm. um, sleeping had become very, very difficult because I'm not someone that can sleep in just any old position. I'm very much, I have to be in fetal position and if I'm not in that position, I really struggle. So I was not sleeping very well. I um, decided to have a sweep. I went in to see the nurse, well, the midwife, sorry. And she already said that I was, I think, one centimetre dilated and my body was preparing to give birth. So I made the decision that I would want a sweep to kind of help things along. So I had the sweep at, I think it was 12 p.m. on a Saturday. And then I went to... Tesco because <laughs> you know at that point you you can't be bothered to cook so I thought you know what I'm gonna get myself a, a ready meal <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I remember exactly what it was it was like a mushroom and um cheese phyllo pastry thing and um I had some vegetables and I had some um elderflower press <laughs> to go with it I treated myself really well I was waddling around Tesco <laughs> feeling very very fat and I got home and stuffed that in my face and watched some tv bounced on the ball as they suggest that you do which was really lovely to be fair and I went to bed feeling a little bit uncomfortable but they say to you obviously after you sweep that you might feel a bit uncomfortable because you know it's a slightly invasive procedure. It wasn't painful for me at all, but I knew almost immediately that it started to kick things off because she became very active. I probably irritated her a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like, what is this going on? And I went to bed, I think at about 11 p.m., I think, and I woke up at half past one in the morning, feeling almost like mild period pains and I'd never had period pains I think I had them once when I was about 13 very early on so for me it was a very bizarre feeling yeah I I remember I was like trying to I was tossing and turning tossing and turning it was just getting worse and worse but it didn't feel like contractions at all so for me, going into that scenario, I was kind of expecting, you know, the muscles and the contractions and to feel that process. But for me, it just felt like period pains. There was no real tensing or inverted commas contractions. So I lay around in bed for like three hours, tossing and turning, and it was gradually getting more and more painful. And I remember going to the bathroom, I think at about half past four, and I was sat on the toilet and I was just like, this is not cool. This is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but unfortunately, the only way out is, uh, is to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's like, okay, this is it now. You know, there's no way I can turn back. <laughs> yeah. I remember phoning um, the birthing centre at about 5 a.m., 
And she said to me, so what does it feel like? And I said, you know, it just feels like quite bad period pains. And she said, oh, you know, it's fine. It doesn't sound like you're in labor yet. So don't, don't worry yourself, you know, try and get some more rest or maybe run yourself a bath. And I downloaded the hypnobirthing app on my phone where it counts your breaths and it does all the music, you know, all the calm music. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to get in the bath. So I stood up. I remember I stood up off the toilet and I had the worst period pain ever, which looking back on it now, that was a contraction. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it was period pains. And I remember feeling like I was going to pass out. I was like, okay, this is it. You know, this, this has started. And I poured my bath and I sat in it and I stayed there for, I think about an hour and a half inside the bath. And I was doing my, all of my counting, listening to the music and, you know, telling me to breathe deeply and all that (laughs) stuff, which to be quite honest, that's the one thing that I look back on and I think is my saving grace is that app that I had. And I sat in the bath, I think an hour and a half, and I finally rang my sister and I said, I think I'm in labour. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> okay, okay, I'm going to come over. And I think this was about half past six in the morning. And I, I just carried on sitting in my bath until she arrived. And she was like, right, so how, how far apart are they? And this app that I had, you pressed the button when those pains started. So it counted how long they were and how consistent they were. And she said, you know what, I think you're in labour, Grace. And I was like, well, they've told me I'm not. (laughs) So we rang the birthing centre again. And she said, you know, just stay there. Keep breathing. You know, it's it's all good. So I stayed in in the bath. (laughs) And I remember I was kind of like breathing through these things. And my sister was like, do you know what? You are in labour. Because my sister's had three children. (laughs) Okay. So it was quite reassuring to have her there. She was like, do you know what, Grace, you are in labour. I don't know why they're telling me that you're not. So I have to say, sorry to jump in, but the amount of people who are told you're not in labour by somebody who's not even with them, I just think, is every single person who goes into labour going to act exactly the same and have exactly the same, (laughs) you know, feelings? Or we're not robots. Like, if you say you're in labour, you're in labour. Like... Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, when you're in labour. And I know that I think maybe they have experience of people going in too early and maybe they're not far, far progressed enough and that they have to get sent home and all of that. So I think because I'd manifested those hypnobirthing techniques and obviously we were in lockdown. So I had that time to, to learn what I needed to do and to to become comfortable with the fact that I would have to just breathe through this process and just focus on my own body and what it was doing. And I think because I was not panicked in any way and I was just kind of going with it because I promoted that I was okay, they thought, she's fine. Maybe that's why, I don't know. My sister said to me, I'm going to tell them that you're having contractions. And I was like, okay, but it doesn't feel like it. So she was like, I'm going to lie. I'm going to tell them. so she got back on the phone and she said she's having contractions so at that point they said you know come in and I remember being bungled into well it wasn't even bumbled but it was my my sister has a a mini a mini Cooper (laughs) so not the best car to get into when you're in labor at all and I remember that it was a, a wonderful morning and, you know, summer mornings are beautiful, aren't they? At half past seven in the morning, yeah. the birds are going and it's warm and wonderful. And I remember stepping out of my house and being like, this is, this is going to be a glorious process. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful because it's such a nice day. Getting into that mini was not, <laughs> not no. the best <laughs> and there's quite a few speed bumps um out oh. of the village that I live in so my sister was going over them at like two miles an hour <laughs> and I was still with my hypnobirthing app and she was trying to talk to me and I was like don't just don't talk to me you know I'm focusing on my breathing and the birthing center is about half an hour away from my home so okay yeah, so I was in the car for about half an hour, still breathing through, <laughs> and I got to the birthing centre, and we went straight into my room, and she examined me and said, you're eight centimetres dilated. Wow. <laughs> and at that point, I know, at that point, my sister was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's good work. Like, 
yeah. And do, do you know what? I was so calm and I think I was just in my own little world that I felt okay up until that point. You know, I felt fine. And then I think when the midwife said to me, you're eight centimetres, you know, you're nearly ready to give birth. It was like that whole idea of what my birth was going to be was almost out of the window because, you know, I, I had this vision in my head, like I said, to have my music going, to have the tea lights on and, you know, to breathe through it and then to give birth wonderfully and calmly. And it was like, right, it's time to go. Let's get this baby out of you. And it was like, oh, OK, that's not going to happen. So it was like this change in dynamic of what my birth was going to be mm. because I'd said to my sister, I want you to take photos, you know, I want you to take photos of me in the water and you know, yeah. all of this stuff. And it was almost immediately like, you know, no, that's not going to happen. So it was quite disappointing at that point for me, but I was also quite proud of myself because my sister, my, my, her instant reaction was at this point, I was screaming, you know, I was, in so much pain or at this point I'd had my epidural and you know yeah. all of that stuff so I, I felt quite proud of myself to have got to that point at home with just my birthing techniques um hypnobirthing techniques so it was a mixture of kind of like sorrow because I missed out on that calm even though I had it at home so you know I'd rather have had it at home but it was like I missed out on that photo opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's the picture you paint in your mind, isn't it? Of what you think is going to happen. And then t- when it's all been a bit more rushed than that and you, oh, okay. <laughs> you yeah, know, it just throws yeah. you. And yeah. you're, in a, you're in a very strange headspace as well when you're in labour. So the changes yeah. of plans and things you're not expecting can can really make you feel some big emotions. Yeah, but at the same time, people said to me before, they warned me, they said, try not to build up too much of a picture of what you want your birth to be like, because ultimately it's not completely dictated by you. You know, it's dictated by everything that goes on when you have a baby. So people had said that to me, but I think it's just that kind of natural instinct that you build up a picture or or an idea or something that you're kind of aspiring to when it comes to your birth, don't you? Yeah. They poured my, um, my bath and you know, we got in and the midwife who was with me, who wasn't actually the midwife who'd been through my kind of pregnancy journey, which was, again, a bit of a disappointment for me. But the lady who'd been my midwife throughout was a very dominant, very blunt Scottish woman. And I absolutely adored her. She didn't mince her words at all, which I appreciated. (laughs) I had this new midwife who I'd never met. And she was very softly spoken, very gentle. And I know that a lot of people would want that when they're giving birth. They would want that calming, relaxing voice in the back of their head, you know, helping them along with birth. But I know what I'm like and I I needed somebody <laughs> to be almost the more dominant out of the two of us and be like, right, come on, Grace, let's get this sorted, you know. Let's yeah. get this baby out of you. So that was a difficult thing to overcome again because when I started pushing because she said to me if you feel like you need to push start to push so for me I felt like I was ready to push and unfortunately I didn't have that dominant voice in my head of the midwife that I'd been through this journey with so I completely lost my midwife she just disappeared into the background (laughs) because she was quite softly spoken um And I know that I respond more when I'm in stressful or demanding situations, somebody that's a bit more direct and a bit more loud, because I I think that I'm naturally quite like that. For me, it was me and my sister. You know, it was me and my sister that was in that room. And I'd gone past the point where I could have any kind of pain relief. So at that point, it was completely natural. So I got offered gas and air, which I thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) Because people, um, some people shout its praises and some people say it doesn't work for them. So I just thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. But I remember being immensely tired at this point because I'd only slept, I think, two, two hours. Well, since the day before, I'd only slept two hours. So I, I was automatically quite tired. I took the gas and air and I was pushing and then I started to be ill. So unfortunately, my dinner... <laughs> 
I chose so carefully. Ah. <laughs> it served me very well. And I was, uh, I was sick quite a few times. So I was told that the gas and air wasn't great for me because it was making me sick. And it was actually making me really, really drowsy. Mm. So for me, it wasn't a good mixture. And I remember I was plowing on it because at that point, you know, you're in quite a lot of pain when it's a natural birth. And I've got to be honest, my hypnobirthing techniques had just completely gone out of the window. I wasn't even thinking about them at all. I wasn't thinking about my breathing. I was just in this state of, I've just been sick. My situation has completely changed. The person I wanted to be with me is not here. You know, I was in a bit of a state of Mm. not panic, but it was just like not going the way that I had envisaged, which again, looking back on it now, I feel like if I was to take something from it is that you should know that your birth is not going to be what you envisage in your head. Mm. So I was really drowsy and I actually passed out um, in the water and my sister had to pull me out of the water. So I had a really bad reaction to the gas and air because I went under the water, which is really bad when you're in labour. And I was in the water for about two hours pushing and nothing was happening. And, you know, I had that thing that people talk about, but they don't want to talk about where I was pooping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I was not told that that was a thing before birth. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of pressure pushing down on those bits and uh, it's got to yeah. go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... And I knew it as well. And I became really transfixed with the fact that I was pooping. And I kept saying to the midwife, am I pooping? Am I pooping? And she was like, I remember she had this little scoop. (laughs) She was like doing her job, (laughs) which, you know, hats off to her. But I just almost became transfixed with that fact. And Mm -hmm. because she was saying, no, 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 you know, keep on pushing, keep on pushing. And I I knew that she was fibbing to me. Um, So it it but that bothered me and this is the thing as well is that I I look back on it now and it was almost like I was bothered by things that in reality I shouldn't have been bothered about you know because it's birth and Mm. it's it's different for everyone and it's it's real it's emotional it's a bodily process and I almost became transfixed on things that I shouldn't have whilst Mm. I was giving birth I think we're I think we're so underprepared though. I think we're so underprepared yeah. for the fact that it's so everything that we normally do in our lives is so in our mind, it's like so cerebral. But what what we're doing in birth is like it's like the opposite. And your body's gonna do the things that it's gonna do. And if if you yeah. don't know that that's gonna happen or you haven't actually thought, well, that's that's not a big deal, that's okay, of course you're gonna yeah. go, what the hell is that? And you're just gonna focus on that yeah completely completely yeah so I think if we if we were all completely and utterly prepared for the fact that these things were going to happen and there was no question about it maybe we could kind of let it go and not not be so in our rational mind about it it's a time when you are completely vulnerable I think that's the the thing that I recognize from my birth is that I felt completely vulnerable I think because of how different my situation was not just necessarily just the birth but you know giving birth in covid and the situation with um, my daughter's father it wasn't what i'd had in my head over the years what birth was going to be or what becoming a mother was going to be so i think i am that kind of person that becomes not obsessed but it's like i become very aware of what's different and what's altered in that situation and things like that where you do feel the most exposed I suppose I suppose for me I felt quite exposed and because it was a situation that you know you wouldn't normally do in front of a person would you you wouldn't (laughs) you wouldn't wouldn't be doing these things in front of just a random person in in normal terms so I think that bothered me and I think looking back on it now if I was to to give birth again I don't think that that would impact as much because, you know, I've been through it and I've realised yeah. that it's it's not silly to be bothered by that, but you just become aware that that's natural and that's normal and 
you can't you can't control it it is mm. what it is you know uh, but I think that also really highlights how important it is to have people in your space who you yes. who you know and trust you know so if you were kind of expecting a different midwife um maybe it would have been different if she was there you know maybe you're maybe you wouldn't have been so bothered because you'd known her throughout you, you know if somebody if you just met somebody that's yeah. a lot that's a lot to ask of somebody to be comfortable in literally the most vulnerable position that you can be in yeah yeah completely and it's not something that you would naturally do you know you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't just pick somebody off the street and say come on in you know watch my birth no <laughs> As much as, you know, I think it's amazing. I, I think midwives are amazing, you know, um, the fact that they are there during a time that's so amazing and so vulnerable and so exposing, but so wonderful at the same time. Um, you know, I think that's absolutely an, an awesome role for them to be playing. And, it, it, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not ungrateful for her to be there because, you know, she was doing what she needed to do and making sure that my birth was safe and that my baby was safe. Um, so, you know, it's it's those things, isn't it? It's those different dynamics of what you see as important and what the realistic terms of that is, is that mm-hmm. she's there to make sure that you're safe, that your baby is healthy, that this is happening in the, in the, the correct way and that, you know, you, you're both going to make, make it out healthy. But... It's hard to see that when you're when you're half naked. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was in the pool for I think two hours and it hadn't been going so well. I hadn't lost my mucus plug at that point. So, you know, I hadn't my water hadn't broken at that point. So I was in the water and things didn't seem to be moving along. So she said to me, why don't we try to get out? You know, why don't we get out of the pool and, you know, come onto the bed and see if you're a bit more comfortable? Because it had got to the point where I just didn't know a position that was comfortable for me. So I got out of the pool and I remember stepping out of the pool and my water broke straight away. I remember being so amazed that it was happening at that point when I'd been pushing for two hours that... I thought it was blood. I'll be honest. I went into a state of panic. (laughs) It was blood. And I remember screaming, is it blood? (laughs) And she was like, no, you're also broken. And I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. (laughs) And then I got onto the bed and I remember Mike had just arrived. So that's Nell's dad. And I remember him touching me (laughs) on my back. I remember me being like, no, don't touch me. I didn't want anyone to touch me at that point. And I remember getting onto the bed and continuing to push. And my midwife said to me, maybe your bladder's too full. That's why she's not moving. Because at this point, she was actually crowning so they could see her head. And she said, maybe we need to, you know, put a catheter in and, 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 you know, release your bladder because that might be causing an issue for her to be able to come out freely. So they did that and I continued to push, I think for about another 45 minutes, but nothing was changing. She was still crowning, not moving anywhere. They made the decision at that point to phone an ambulance to move me to the hospital, which I didn't necessarily want, but she said to me that um, Nell was in distress because her heartbeat was was, um, changing. So... She said, you know, we need to phone an ambulance to get you to the hospital because she just was not moving. You know, she was staying in that mm-hmm. position and not coming out, um, which, you know, I look back on it now and I know that that's why it was so difficult and so painful because she was in that position for a very long time. So they phoned the ambulance and they said to me, it's going to be about 45 minute wait for the ambulance, <laughs> which, oh. you know, when you're at that point, you're just like, oh, my God, <laughs> the- they, they'd informed me of that before. They said, you know, if you do need to get transferred, then there is going to be that delay because we are a bit further away from a hospital. So again, I was informed of this before. So we waited for the ambulance and we got blue lighted to, um, the, uh, to the hospital. And I will say that's, that's probably the hardest part of my birth. <laughs> and I think it was because I was in a situation where I was in a, an ambulance and we were you know, racing towards the hospital and I knew that she was in distress. So it's that impact of 
that stress that you know that your baby is not happy or you know dealing with it quite well and unfortunately she was she was still in my birth canal at that point she was still um ready to come out Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it was not a comfortable journey for me either and then we got to the hospital and then I had to wait for the surgeon to come because she was in surgery at the time so we were put in a room and told that we needed to wait for her to come and she came into me and I remember she was a very direct very um (laughs) very controlled woman (laughs) at that point you know I can only envisage it from her point of view that she was completely calm and she was collected and there's me just in complete hysterics <laughs> at this point. And she said to me, you know, we can give you an anaesthetic and you can continue to push or you can go into surgery and have um, an episiotomy where obviously they cut you and then they help the baby out. So not a C-section, it's to help the baby out of the birth canal. So I said, I can't push anymore because I was exhausted. You must have been absolutely drained. I was. Gone. Yeah. I mean, I had nothing left in me. I'll be completely honest. I had absolutely no energy left in my body to push or to help this birth along. And I just said to her straight away, I said, no, (laughs) I I need to go into surgery. That's not going to happen because I knew in myself, because I had no food in me um, since the lunchtime before, because, you know, of dinner. And I'd been pushing for so long that I went into um, surgery (laughs) and I remember they said to me, you need to sit down on both of your butt cheeks. And I couldn't sit down on both because she was between, you know, she was there. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to be sitting on her head. And they were like, you've got to, because we can't put the spinal block in until you're sat down straight. Mm. And I remember that being a really difficult stage because I knew that I was going to be sitting on my unborn child's head. It was like, I don't want to squash her, you know. And it it was really painful to sit down because she was right there. But I finally got down onto both butt cheeks and... They put the spinal block on in and I remember I will to this day say that that spinal block was like being touched by God. That's the only way I can describe it because I'd been in labour since, you know, I look back on it now and I was in labour from about 12am and at this point it was I think about 2pm the next day. And they put that in and honestly, <laughs> it was just the um, the most amazing relief. And then I, I went into surgery and I, I will always remember the face of the anaesthetist. He wasn't even a midwife. He was the anaesthetist and he was holding my hand and he said to me, right, this is what's going to happen you know, we're going to, we're going to push. And he spoke me through the whole process. And it, it's just amazing because he sticks in my mind so much now that he was the first person that was like in my face and direct to me about what the process was and what we were going to do. And I think, of course, that was because I wasn't in pain anymore, you know, yeah, <laughs> I was in the right frame of mind. So they said to me, right, so, you know, we're going to test that you are completely numb and then we're going to help you push. You know, we're going to do some deep breaths and we're going to push. And we did, I think two, two pushes and she was out. (laughs) It was at the same time, it was amazing, but it was also weird because it was like this baby had come from nowhere. Like, because I hadn't felt her come out. (laughs) It was like, I'd just been handed this child, you know? Yeah. So I hadn't been through that process. I built up again. I built up into my head that I wanted to feel that relief of, you mm-hmm. know, giving birth and have that process. So, and I didn't feel it. So I, I was given my daughter, which, you know, again, amazing relief because, you know, she's out and she's healthy and, you know, she was crying and, you know, that's all you can wish for, isn't it? Yeah. That they come out healthy and, you know, and we'd made it through and by this point I think it was like quarter past three in the afternoon so it was just an amazing relief to have her on my chest and to 
know that she was healthy yeah Mm. and I didn't ask you this before so when you had to transfer from the birth center was that rule enforced where you could only take one person with you yes and how how did that go what did you decide so I took my sister because again I had that conversation with her dad and he'd said to me you know I respect your wishes you've got to have with you who you will feel most comfortable with yeah and I knew that even though things are are really good now and that we're at a good point now and things are are really good in in our communication and all of that because of the difficulties that we had during my pregnancy I knew that if I'd given birth just with him I wouldn't have dealt with it in the same way because that awareness of kind of the extra stress of being with somebody that you don't feel completely at ease with I suppose yeah I totally get it and it sounds like your sister is very much in your life as a person who you feel completely comfortable with yeah yeah definitely so yeah she was there and um she took her off so of course you know I went through the kind of end of surgery so my sister took Nell off which I feel a little bit of sadness about now that I wasn't kind of with her at those very, very early stages. You know, I had mm-hmm. my my initial kind of skin to skin, which I knew I wanted, but she was with my sister for the first, I think, hour of mm-hmm. her life, which, you know, if it was going to be anyone, then it, I, I would want it to be her because she was extremely caring and um, helpful during um, my pregnancy, as much as she could be anyway with COVID lockdown. So yeah, she went off and then I finished the end of surgery and then went into the room and I don't know whether you, you've had a spinal block. But I have. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a weird process at the end, isn't it? When you kind of body's coming back and you're tingling. and it, I found you know, it incredibly itchy and I looked down yeah. and there were yeah. scratches all over my legs. And I said yes. to him, I almost had to say to my husband, <laughs> who's done this to me? And he said, you've done it. <laughs> Yeah, but I remember that they, I, I suffer with really bad allergies myself, um, always have. So I'm on a certain antihistamine that um, you have to get prescribed. And I wouldn't advise this to other people, but I had those on hand to help with the itching. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really helped me and really relieved me. But obviously stick to what the doctors say. Yeah. <laughs> that was my own my but, own. Decision. But I remember not knowing anything about that and I remember saying to whoever it was to come check on me I think it was midwife who just came around mm-hmm. afterwards I was saying yeah. I am so itchy like what is wrong with me and she was like oh yeah that's normal but it's like can you tell me that before you give me this <laughs> yeah. yeah before that happens I would like to know <laughs> uh, did did you kind of ever get any resolution as to why your baby wasn't moving down or and, and kind of why the episiotomy was necessary or was it just a case of you know she got stuck and you were exhausted yeah there was clarity on it It was during surgery when she was actually coming out I didn't hear it but my sister heard it she said oh that's the arm and that's the shoulder okay she she came out so there's more to it so she came out kind of side on almost so she'd got her arm up by her shoulder okay so she was almost coming out like superman I suppose at at this point anyway but that's not the position that she was in early on. But she came out with shoulder and arm upwards, basically. Mm-hmm. And she had this immense swelling on the top of her head. Right. Um, which, when I had conversations with the surgeon after, it turns out that I wasn't fully dilated. So, um, obviously, when I went in at eight centimetres and I, I was told, you know, if you feel ready to push, then push. At that point... I obviously wasn't wide enough for her to be coming out. And I don't think that I was at that point really until maybe the end, you know, the end of the process. So basically the, the truth of the matter is that I was trying to push her out of a hole that was not big enough Mm -hmm. and she was not going to come out because she was being forced through a hole that was not big enough for her her head. Basically. Did did you have like an, like an undeniable urge to push how was your sensation with that well I look back on it now and no I Mm. I think because I was kind of given that instruction that if I feel ready to push I should push I think because I was I guess because I'd not felt 
specific contractions I felt well maybe this is what it is you know yeah maybe- and it, it's so hard to convey to somebody else oh when you feel this feeling it's like well yeah. I don't know what that is <laughs> yeah yeah and I think mm. until you have given birth <laughs> yeah you know in hindsight you don't truly know what a real contraction of when your body is trying to expel a child <laughs> it yeah. feels like so in reality looking at it now I don't think I was ready to to push and I think maybe I was pushing too well I was pushing too early and she had obviously then shifted her body and moved her hand up so that doubly makes things difficult you you kind of went around to recovery and um was your sister able to stay for a little while did she have to go no so she stayed for I think maybe an hour after I'd come back to the room but then it was very much nobody else can come and see you so she, she was told that she needed to go home and then I was moved to the ward but I was put in my own room because I hadn't had a COVID test so okay it was a big fat question mark on whether I had COVID so I was put in my own room which I am not moaning about at all <laughs> no I was gonna say that sounds that sounds pretty sweet actually <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we had our own room, which was really lovely, but it was quite hard because I'd had surgery, obviously, and I didn't have full manoeuvrability of my limbs at that point because, you know, it doesn't come back for a little while, does it, when you've had a spinal block? It was quite hard. Um, And of course, you get checked on loads, you know, after you've given birth, you do. Um, But it was quite hard to move about because, you know, things had gone on downstairs yeah I'd been cut and I was given painkillers of course but nothing too drastic so you know you're in that kind of state of oh my god I've got a newborn baby and it's amazing you just want to stare at them and you want to carry them around and smush all over them and uh in reality your body is saying no (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyway (laughs) same as you maybe um yeah so It was a bizarre experience at that point, really. Yeah. Um, and had you, at that point, had you given consideration to your feeding preferences and, and how did that go? Yeah, I, I decided very early on that I wanted to breastfeed. Yeah. I started to actually lactate very, very early on in pregnancy. I think I was five months pregnant when I yeah. started to very considerably leak. So my body... And my mind were telling me that that was what I wanted to do. So it was something that I knew I wanted. And I I feel very, very lucky because we both took to it quite naturally. I did get a bit of, obviously, a bit of guidance with kind of the latch and things when I was in, in hospital that night. But we were quite lucky in regards to that process, which I feel blessed to have because I know that a lot of people struggle but yeah, she, she latched on very, very well. And my body obviously was responding to that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we went straight into breastfeeding. Yeah. And I'm smiling whilst I'm saying that because <laughs> I feel very lucky and very happy to have been able to do that. Yeah, it's, it's actually sounds really similar to my experience. I had certainly like colostrum leaking probably yeah. 25 weeks, maybe 28 weeks. Yeah. And yeah. actually, and I had a very similar experience of just, it was just like a it just happened it was I didn't yeah. have to do anything it just happened and again yeah. I feel so so lucky that that happened um yeah particularly because mm-hmm. I had that disconnect as well of I didn't well I didn't feel you come out so yeah. so I kind of worried that maybe that bodily connection somehow would not be there and and then it was and yeah it was just that was great it's it's still a strange thing to me now to think that she came from my body <laughs> I still have that disconnect now yeah. about the fact that I I grew you and I birthed you you know yeah. um and I don't know whether that would be a different scenario if I'd have actually kind of felt when mm. I I completely get birth I don't know whether that would be different or we'll press mm. pause on that if I do have any more yeah. children how long did you stay in hospital and when were you discharged so it was a very quick turnaround, if I'm going to yeah. be honest. I know that that's around COVID. So I obviously gave birth at about quarter past three on Sunday. And then I was discharged at about half past seven in the morning the next day. So okay. very quickly. And I know that that's COVID. And I know that that's down to the restrictions that were in place. 
because as well I'd built up this idea of maybe going back to the birthing centre and staying there for a couple of days because that that was an option okay for you to be there for the first couple of days of your birth but I think because my birth hadn't gone the way that I'd envisaged and I had obviously been through surgery and you know given birth in a different place than what I thought I would so it felt almost strange to me to think about going back to where you know I'd had that quite difficult experience yeah not you know within 24 hours ago (laughs) so um I obviously made the decision to go home not that it was even really discussed I wasn't said I wasn't said you know do you want to go back there it was just you know you're going home so I was discharged and um, my daughter's dad came to pick us up so it was the first time that he'd met her yeah which I was completely aware of you know throughout this this whole process as difficult as the pregnancy had been and the kind of breakdown of that relationship, I was very, very aware of him experiencing his daughter. Yeah. So it was quite hard to, you know, to come to terms with the fact that he hadn't seen her be be born. So I knew instantly that I wanted him to come and get us and that, you know, I wanted to introduce him at that point and for him to be, I know not the first person, but the second external person to meet her other than yeah. my sister yeah he came and picked us up and of course it was that very precarious loading of the baby into the car <laughs> yeah you know it's so delicate and so precious and you're putting them in a car seat and driving them in a car you know <laughs> it's like oh dear you know it's that awareness of everything in that scenario yeah so we loaded her in and I sat in the back and obviously he drove at about 10 miles an hour <laughs> all <the> way home, <laughs> which was very different to his driving habits before not that he was a bad driver but yeah. just not you know not a slow driver <laughs> um, and immediately we we got into the house and I said you know do you want to do skin to skin with her so I said you know take her take your top off and you know let's load her on <laughs> and it was a very delicate moment really I think for him to have that and for me to respect that moment yeah it was quite beautiful really I think mm-hmm. but at the same it's time lovely. you have that internal maternal instinct don't you where you're like give, give me my baby back because <laughs> she was completely new to me as well but you know I respected that you know that was needed and he's her dad so yeah and he obviously hadn't been able to be with you so that was really important for him yeah oh it's lovely so how how did you find the kind of initial postnatal period those kind of first few weeks and months even I won't lie it was hard because of being a single mum and I had a good relationship with her dad at this point but it it wasn't it wasn't good enough for him to be there all the time if you know what I mean Um, yeah I needed to respect my boundaries because I'll be honest uh, my pregnancy in our, our breakdown of relationship was really, really not easy. It was a really difficult time. So we hadn't got to that point where I felt comfortable or safe enough to have that presence there all the time. Yeah. Um, so he, I think, came over for the first three days every day. But, and I respect this now, I look back on it now, he obviously wanted to put his full dedication to his daughter, which is what's needed. But at that time, I was really struggling because I'd obviously had the episiotomy and, you know, I was there with her alone um, 24-7. So whenever she needed picking up and, you know, feeding and all of that, you know, it was completely down to me. And it was quite a strain on where I'd had my surgery and my stitches so we had a conversation and it was very much like you know we need to respect those boundaries and I know that you want to spend as much time with your daughter as possible but um unfortunately our situation between us two didn't allow that at the time and of course when you've given birth you know again you're still in quite a vulnerable position you've just given birth to this newborn baby and your body's doing things that it never has never done before and as well as on top of the surgery, you know, that drain on the body and the kind of lack of sleep, which (laughs) yeah, everyone knows about. I did find it really difficult, but at the same time, I found it really wonderful. You know, it's those kind of two sides of the coin. But um, I had a lot of issues 
with my um, episiotomy site and I had a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And I remember I went out for a walk, I think on maybe the fifth day and I just couldn't walk. I was like limping and my sister came to meet me and she said, she said, you can't walk. And I was like, I'm just in so much pain. Like it's just horrific. And I just thought that it was normal because Mm. I haven't had surgery in that area before. You know, I haven't experienced that before. I haven't experienced birth before. So I I didn't know what was not normal. Um, And she said, no, that's not normal, you know. (laughs) Mm. So she took me to A&E that night, actually. And it turns out that all of my stitches had split. Oh, gosh. Um, And that I was infected. So I'd kind of been just bumbling along thinking that everything was wonderful and peachy and it was not so Mm. I was given a course of antibiotics and kind of sent on my way again they said to me you know we can't stitch it back up um at this point so because of the infection they couldn't Mm. do anything about it so they sent me home with a course of antibiotics which in turn made both me and my daughter ill because obviously it went through the breast milk yeah Um, so we had that and then um I remember they they sent out midwives to to see me I think every couple of days after that and then I I got infected again so I was put on more antibiotics so it was quite a difficult time mentally it was like this is just awesome you know I was absolutely loving it but then my body was saying you need to rest but at the same time I couldn't as a single mother I couldn't rest you know I just carried on and, and grunted my way through it. <laughs> mm. And before long, it felt better. We were breastfeeding quite happily. I mean, of course, we went through that period where your breasts are kind of adjusting to it and you get the pins and needles when you, <laughs> when you yeah. feed. She slept quite well. Of course, you know, she was waking up every couple of hours to feed or get changed or whatever. But yeah, it's quite an easy process after that had healed and stopped causing me issues <laughs> yeah I mean it's a wonderful time isn't it when you first become a mum because you, you you're taking on this new identity and you're just so proud of this little thing that you mm. you birthed and you've grown you know yeah it was a wonderful experience really and I just lived off biscuits to be fair <laughs> yeah now obviously you're 19 months on and I think, you know, you've already had some really lovely like reflections looking back on on your experience. Is there anything that you think your birth experience has really taught you, any kind of real takeaway message that you have from the experience you've gone through? I think it's that realisation of just how strong and amazing the human body is. And especially, no offence to the men, but <laughs> the female <laughs> body is growing a child and going through the birthing process and everything that follows, you know, the adrenaline that it, your body produces afterwards and the, that serotonin and, you know, all of those wonderful hormones that inform your birthing, pregnancy and birthing and motherhood process in the, in the early days. But it's that reflection of, yeah, it was hard. And I know that it's not what I wanted. You know, it's not what I had pictured in my mind, but I look back on it and I have no regrets yeah, I, I have that slight moment where I'm like, maybe I should have waited a little bit longer before I pushed, but hindsight's a wonderful thing and you can't yeah. look at it like that. No. You, know, you can't you can't look back and go, Oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. It is what it is. It's And it, you and you don't know what you don't know. You've done everything that you would have done, you know, you've done everything you can. All those things inform the mother that you become. You know, I look at I look at Nell now and yeah, it was it was quite a hard birth. I'm not going to lie. It was a really hard birth until that final block. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it was a really hard birth. But in turn, I look at her and it was all worth it. Every single second was worth it. Everything that we went through and everything that me and her father went through. And I don't regret any of it. I don't look back on it with any negative thought because it's made me appreciate my body it's made me appreciate who she is it's made me appreciate her health that's lovely 
if you could kind of give somebody any advice or resources, anything that was really useful to you going into your pregnancy, um, is there anything that you'd like really recommend if you met somebody who was, who just found out they were pregnant? I think maybe a lot of people say this, but it's trust your own body and trust your own capabilities to grow a human and birth human. We are built for babies. (laughs) (laughs) It's a natural process. And I think it's just trust your gut when it comes to making decisions about your child and about your birth and about the whole process. You know, whether you choose to breastfeed or not, you know, it's your decision. And again, it's just do what you need to do to be happy and to make sure that your child is healthy. Mm. That's that's the main thing. It's the only thing really, Mm. isn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day. oh thank you so much that's been so lovely talking to you yes thank you it's a it's quite wonderful to relive it (laughs) thanks so much again grace for kicking off season two for us your optimism throughout such a challenging time shines through and i really really love how hard you and your baby's father have worked to set healthy boundaries to ensure that you have what you need and it's great to see that it is absolutely possible to create a really healthy co-parenting system together That's all for this week. Join us again next Wednesday for another episode. Or better yet, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you know somebody who would enjoy listening to The Real Birth Podcast, please do spread the word. You can share my content on Instagram, I'm Real Birth Podcast, and Facebook, also Real Birth Podcast. Or you can send links to your mates the old-fashioned way via email, post, you know, knit it in a scarf, whatever you want to do. I can't wait for you to join me next week for another incredible story. Thank you so much, and see you later. Bye!